Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. No matter who you are or where you are, no matter the time or experience you've had following Jesus, or if you hadn't had any experience at all, we are grateful to be on this journey with you and look forward to becoming more of who God created us to be. Okay, so this week we have a friend back with us, Meredith Weatherby. Um, And she's going to do something exciting today. For the past couple of weeks, we've explored who the Holy Spirit is through his person, his names, his symbols, like that. This week, Meredith is going to start us on a new part of our study, which is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So thanks for being with us today, Meredith. And you can start wherever you want. Oh, thanks for having me. I love getting to be here with you and Lynn. It's an honor and it's really fun always. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Okay, this may seem like a strange place to start, but where I'd like to start is to give you a little glimpse into how I start preparing for these podcasts when I do them with you all. And my reason for this is I'm hoping that it will help you all a bit with a maybe a bit of a roadmap or an overview. It did for me. So mm-hmm. that's always helpful, I think. So how do I prepare for a podcast? Well, the first thing I do is I just sit down with my lesson, just the same as if I was going to do a, a normal Bible study day. So I print it off the Lamplighter's website, I sit down and pray, and I read the scriptures, and then I answer the questions to mm-hmm. the right. Well, when I sat down to do this particular lesson, this was literally the first lesson in the year <laughs> study that I had done. Yeah. Even though this is the fourth lesson in the study, I had prepared, had to have it prepared before the study even started. Right. <laughs> so I hadn't even heard the overview podcast about it yet. I hadn't even heard even the thing you just said in the intro, Jan, that this is, <laughs> oh, we're starting a new thing. I didn't know that. So, but no matter, I've got this. So I first, I read the scripture. I prayed. I prepared to answer the questions. But immediately I was thrown because, first of all, there's only one, one column, column. Yes. to the right yes. in the scriptures. The there's only one question. We usually have three, or at least mm-hmm. that's the way we've done it in the uh-huh. past. But there's only one. And then secondly, so I read the question. Okay, I'll answer it. How is the Holy Spirit revealed in these verses? Uh, (laughs) I read the Genesis passage again. Wait, did I miss it? I didn't see the Holy Spirit at all in that passage. (laughs) So I had to stop for a minute. And uh, I read the fine print at the top of the page, and it said, the breath of God. Oh, I get it. This year, we must be, I haven't heard the overview, but we must be studying the attributes of the Holy Spirit in some way. Uh, like, you know, the the different ways the Holy Spirit is depicted and described in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when we studied the attributes of God last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this week we must be studying the way the Holy Spirit is described in the Bible as the breath of God. I am so glad you started out by sharing that because I guarantee you're not the only one who was confused or shocked by when they printed out their lesson and they looked at it for the first time. In fact, Lynn and I both were when we started doing it. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, even are, though you'd held write it. It's like, what are we doing? Yes. We probably should have done that on the very first podcast that we did for the first lesson. But <laughs> exactly. They've got it by now, hopefully. Well, okay. The so, Spirit is leading that. Yes, yes, I had a roadmap. Okay. okay, now, so I went back to the first first passage we had, and I had a roadmap. I had an understanding now of what I was looking for, and the answer jumped out clearly. God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, but it isn't until God breathes on him that he comes to life. So mm-hmm. how's the Holy Spirit depicted? Is The Holy Spirit here is the breath of God that, that gives Adam life. Exactly. So then I went on to the second passage that we have for today. The revelation of the Holy Spirit jumps out even more in that one. Mm. Yay. Two ways. First, you see that in the very beginning of the passage that the Holy Spirit is revealed. In the passage, it's Ezekiel. And he says, right in verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me, 
And he brought me by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. So first we see the Holy Spirit working, leading Ezekiel into the middle of the valley. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about this, the second way that we see the Holy Spirit revealed, I want to give a little background on Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel was a prophet, one of God's messengers to the Israelites. God would speak to Ezekiel in visions, poems, words, and Ezekiel would then speak God's messages to the people of Israel. The phrase, the word of the Lord came to me, is used almost 50 times in the book of Ezekiel. That's a lot. Yeah. He spoke God's visions and words to the people a lot. But there was something a bit different about Ezekiel's time as a prophet, because he was a prophet to the Israelites during the time when they were in their captivity in Babylon. Mm. This captivity, it actually had been prophesied by other prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, before Ezekiel, when the Israelites were still in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. But even though God had warned the people of Israel that their exile was coming, one study I read when I was studying for this said the captivity did not bring the people of Judah back to God. This judgment of God only seemed to drive the people into greater wickedness. They worshiped idols, they set up shrines in the hills, and they defiled the sanctuary of God. So the Israelites, they were far from home, from Jerusalem, and many of them were far from God and losing hope and faith. And it was into this that Ezekiel had to begin his prophecies to them. That's a tough background. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And this background to this passage in the Ezekiel that we read, when we get to the second half of our text, it will help make some sense of it. Okay, so we need to remember they're in exile. They're in exile. Yes, they're in exile, and some of them are really far from God, and and they, they haven't... Sometimes in your life, you have something that brings you back to God. It didn't. This yeah. exile okay. did not bring them. And so, so first, let's, we'll do the prophecy, the vision that God gives to Ezekiel. It's verses 1 through 10. After the Spirit leads Ezekiel into the middle of the valley. This is a really well-known story in the Bible. There are many songs written about it, children's mm-hmm. stories told about it. I'm sure it was familiar. But honestly, when you read it, you realize it's really weird. It's weird. Too. It is one of the weirdest. It's very visual, though. Yeah, it's, yes, yeah. <laughs> Basically, God shows Ezekiel this entire valley, and there are bones everywhere. And he asks Ezekiel first, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel answers him kind of cleverly, actually, because I think if God had asked me that question, my response would have been, uh, no. <laughs> but Ezekiel says back to God, essentially, well, he says, essentially, I don't know, but he says it, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Yeah. It's so respectful. Yeah. Well, and it's a great response, yeah. actually. I wish that that were my default more often. It'd be good for all of us. Yeah. Uh-huh. So then there's this weird back and forth in the text where basically God keeps telling Ezekiel to talk to these inanimate objects. He tells Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. Tell them that God is going to go bring them back to life. Put flesh and tendons and skin back on them and putting breath into them. It's a fantastic story. Ezekiel does talk to the bones and there's a noise. It's like a rattling sound and the bones come together together. They're knit back together with tendons and flesh and skin. And even though they're put back together now, they still aren't alive. So God tells Ezekiel, now the talk to the breath this time. And he does. He says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. Once the breath comes into them, then they stand up. They're alive, a vast army. I just love trying to picture the story. Close your eyes and try to imagine seeing it and hearing it happen. It's fantastic. But it's also really weird. And I think a little yeah. bit scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. You know, yeah. It's kind of like a Star Wars yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. scene or something out of Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that old song, you know, the foot bone's connected to the leg bone, <laughs> the leg bone's connected to, and you just keep on going with yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, my daddy sang that song to me as a kid, and I was fascinated 
picturing a skeleton, you know, just coming back together and then all of a sudden it's alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, there are so many songs about this story. I'm not sure if that was one right, though or I not. But, um, I heard so many of them in my head as I was preparing for this lesson. One of my favorite ones is by Lauren Daigle. It's called Come Alive. Mm-hmm. Oh, I commend it to you all. Go listen to it. Yeah. It's so good. So back to the vision. This is one of Ezekiel's visions, a prophecy when the word of the Lord came to him. But what I particularly love about this one is that God clearly explains what the prophecy means and who all the characters, for lack of a better word, in the story represent. That is so helpful, like Very. Jesus explaining a parable. Yes, you know. yes. Yeah, yeah it it's was so helpful nice to me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. In, and so in verses 11 through 15, God tells Ezekiel clearly, the bones represent the people of Israel who have been in captivity in Babylon. And what they're saying is, our bones have been dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. You can almost hear the hopelessness and despair in that verse, can't you? Mm -hmm. Mm. But through this vision, God is telling them that He will bring them back to the land of Israel out of their graves. He will give them life after the grave. He tells them what will give them life. He says, He will put His Spirit in them and they will live. Mm -hmm. The bones in the story are the people of Israel who've died and dried up in captivity, and the breath that brings them back to life is the Spirit of God. It's a weird story for sure, but I'm sure that once the Israelites heard it, that second part of the verse is they were filled with hope. Yeah. They could probably so clearly I- identify with those dry bones, having been in exile and away from home and away from God for so long. I bet returning mm-hmm. home and returning back to God felt just about as ridiculous mm-hmm. to them as a valley of dry bones getting up and becoming a vast and living army. Mm-hmm. So how is the Spirit revealed in these verses? Well, God spells it out for us very clearly. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God, and it's again giving life life that comes after. And that's where we see the Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit giving life. We have a form of something that looks like it could be alive, just like we did with Adam in the first passage. The bones are put back together with tendons and flesh and covered with skin, but they aren't alive until the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, enters them. Mm. And if you look at our next passage, Job 33, 44, you see something very similar. It's just two phrases, but in it you see clearly the breath of God the Holy Spirit, it's giving life. So uh, as I was looking at these passages and these lessons, I, I felt like the next thing to do would be to look at breath, Yeah. right? And so I, I did a little thinking and a bit of research about breath, about our physical breath. And there's a lot about breath. <laughs> I'm not going to try to talk about everything I learned today. But as you read and research, the power of our breath is amazing. Mm. So I'm just going to point out a couple of things. Four. One, first, breath is always there. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's completely unnoticeable or at least unnoticed. Mm -hmm. It's automatic. We don't really think about it. We don't really notice it at all until it's gone. Mm -hmm. Or it becomes really difficult to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. And we as Christians have the Holy Spirit with us all the time. Mm -hmm. Jesus actually promised this fact to us several times. There are two passages in the Bible— well, um, here are two passages. There are many, actually, but here are two where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. In John 14 and 15 through 17, he says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And then Jesus, he's preparing his disciples. It's it, Actually, the Holy Spirit is all over 14, 15, 16 of John, all over. But in 16, 7 through 15, there's just a part of it. He says, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And then I'm skipping over to 13 now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Mm. These are not the only time that Jesus mentions the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. but the promise is clear in these verses. We as Christians have the Holy Spirit with us, in us. Whether we're aware of of it or not, it's there. Mm. And we sometimes just take it for granted. We do, just like our breath. Yeah, just like our breath. Yeah. Two, second thing is that breath is really powerful. It's powerful, especially when we use it intentionally. So I'm just going to ask a question here. Do either of you have an Apple Watch or any? Okay. No, I okay. refuse. <laughs> no, okay, that's funny <laughs> because um, I don't know. Maybe some other smartwatch. They they have the ability to like tap you and buzz you on the wrist. It's weird. I was also reluctant to <laughs> yeah. get an Apple Watch for the longest time. But well, my husband works for Apple, and my kids are all huge <laughs> Apple fans. So at some uh, point, it my was kids inevitable. Yeah, at some points, my kids and my husband overrode me, and they bought me one for my birthday. And I do actually love it for so many reasons. <laughs> it has all these apps on it, even games which I never play. But um, it has things you can track with. It and it tells the time too. But um, (laughs) one of the apps on it is just simply called Breathe. Mm -hmm. You can set up the Apple Watch to tap you on the wrist and it reminds you X number of times a day to stop and breathe. That's Ah, handy. It's weird. And all you do is when it taps you, as you stop and you hit a little button on the watch and it prompts you to breathe in and out for two minutes. And there's even a little kind of graphic on the screen that helps. So very deliberate breathing. Very deliberate breathing. But what's remarkable about the watch is throughout the day, it also takes your heart rate oh. at like periodic intervals, which mm-hmm. I think you can actually set, but I don't have no idea how. But <laughs> the Breathe app, if your heart rate gets high, it will actually tap you then too. Like not in your regular interval, but it'll tap you then too. And it'll tell you to, to stop and breathe for two minutes. Okay, wow. so it would be tapping me to say, I think you're a slug. You need to start breathing. <laughs> no, I don't care. I don't know if it does that. But but and it, it was fun when I was preparing for this lesson. Whenever my, my watch would tap me, either mm-hmm. if my heart rate was high or if it was just doing it, I would stop and do the breathing. And then I would, I would also pray yeah. and oh. ask for the Holy Spirit to come at that time too. But anyway, so it does this. And there's an actual science behind this. Yeah. Taking time to stop and intentionally take deep breaths has been shown in the immediate moment. I'm quoting a, a, one of something I read. Calm and regulate the automatic nervous system. It lowers blood pressure, improves mood, and improves mental clarity. And and who can't use all of that? Yeah. yeah. It's but it 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 physiologically changes mm-hmm. you. Have you ever heard of box breathing? I actually have. I do it. You do? Okay. Yeah. So I had first heard of this when I was talking to a counselor one time about situations where I would get anxious or nervous. Like, I don't know, recording a podcast. Oh, I can't imagine that. (laughs) But she suggested it. What you do is you use your finger to draw in the air. And each side of the box is four seconds long. So you draw across for four seconds and you breathe in. And then you draw down for four seconds and you hold the breath. Then you draw back across for four seconds and you breathe out. And then you draw up for four seconds and you hold it. And you repeat that four more times. So it's four seconds, four times. You do this box. Mm -hmm. It's all these fours. Mm -hmm. The military special forces, they, they actually teach this method of breathing to their soldiers. They really do. Um, it's called, uh, they don't call it box breathing. They call it tactical breathing. Mm-hmm. That sounds and, so much better. Yes. It's, well, it sounds yeah. very military for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and they teach it to them to use to help control their thoughts and emotions when faced with challenging situations that obscure their clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly how this Holy Spirit is for us in our spiritual life and walk. 
when we're faced with challenging situations in our life that obscure our clarity, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase. The Holy Spirit is a powerful guide for us through that challenging situation. He will, as Jesus said, guide us into all truth. But we have to draw upon the Spirit in those times, ask for guidance, and listen for His leading. And often that voice of the Spirit, it might not be a loud response. As a matter of fact, that leads me to my third point about breath. Breath, it's quiet. It doesn't often announce itself very loudly. Mm. I mean, occasionally it does, but often breath is quiet. So just like breath, sometimes we have to slow down and get quiet and be alert and aware of the moving and voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because sometimes and often it's a still small voice. There's a story in Elijah above of Elijah. It's in 1 Kings 19. And in it, Elijah is really discouraged. And he thinks he's the only one left who's faithful to God anymore. And he cries out to God. And God is so tender to him. He says, well, what he says is, the Lord said, go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. This is in 1 Kings 19. He says, the Lord is passing by. And a very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart the stones before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound, thin and quiet. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his coat. He went out and stood at the cave's entrance. And then the voice of the Lord came to him and said, why are you here, Elijah? Mm. Elijah finds God in the quiet. Mm. So I went on a road trip recently. And for my return home, I woke up really early in the morning to hit the road. And I made a cup of coffee at the hotel. I loaded up the car and I literally was on the road before 5 a.m. Wow. And I was, I was actually kind of a bit nervous about driving so early. I knew it was going to be dark for several hours, which I don't love driving in the dark. Mm. But I wanted to be awake and alert for my drive alone. Favorite time to drive is early in the morning. Oh my gosh. I don't mind it, but I don't like it when it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I turned on the car, the radio turned on. I, I mean, the radio, radio, y'all. The radio, oh, like okay. the little numbers in the dial, you know. <laughs> I had been driving the night before. How and retro. I, I know. So <laughs> I had forgotten my phone. So the radio was tuned to a station already. So I was in a hurry to get going. So I just let it go. And I just listened to the songs that were on the radio as I drove. For a little hour, over an hour, I did this. I sang along to the songs I knew and I listened to the ones I didn't. It was, it was great. I loved it. Well, then what happens with radios happened. I pretty quickly got in between cities and the radio station became static, mm-hmm. you know? So I just punched that little button on my radio. You know, the, the scan oh, the one. Search one. Yeah. yeah, the one that searches for stations. And I punched it a few times and I found another station I liked and I kept listening. It was so fun. Okay, but then at some point, I got to like nowhere, Texas. Right. And I punched, I literally punched the radio, that button on the radio, and it kept going. It, it went all the way through. It ran all the way, <laughs> it ran through all the way through the numbers and never landed on a station. Um, well, it actually did. It landed back on the station I had started on that was just static. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, I'm getting a little tired and I need something on the radio. It's time. Okay, I'm gonna listen to my phone now. So I pushed the button to mute my car stereo so that I could connect my phone. And the most amazing thing happened. It was so quiet and it was weird, but in the quiet, I became more alert. I noticed all the signs around me. I I saw the moon. It was, it was slowly sinking to the right and the sun was rising on the left. And I had, I saw so many things I hadn't noticed before. Mm -hmm. And I was more alert and awake than I had been with all that noise on. And don't we do this in life? We fill the silence and the quiet and the still with everything. If the thing we're busy with or listening to runs out, we just punch a button to queue up the next thing. And God doesn't often try to compete with that. 
He's instead in the still, in the quiet, in the space. Mm-hmm. You know, Meredith, I discovered this very thing actually a couple of years ago. And now, I, and I, my family thinks I'm weird, but I almost never have my radio or anything on <gasps> when I'm driving in the car. I'm going to have to Because it's, it's where in life can you go where yes. it's silent? You yeah. can't. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It mute, was mute that background noise. Yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 It's, and, and being in the Holy Spirit, I think sometimes we have to find a way to spiritually mute the background mm-hmm. noise yeah. just to give God space to talk. That's right. Okay, so the last thing I'll say about breath here is that it kind of brings us back to full circle to our lesson of the, the scriptures we had for today, because breath brings life. If, if you read about it, it, it is the connector and the life bringer to the whole body, mm-hmm. our physical body. And there's a lot of science behind this one. You could read for a long time about how the breath brings life to the whole body, how it helps it to function properly. But all we need to know is that without breath, there is no life. Mm-hmm. And without the Holy Spirit, there's no spiritual life for the Christian the Holy Spirit is the connector of everything, the one who, as Jesus said, testifies about him and guides us into all truth. But we have to be quiet and intentional and slow down and listen for the Holy Spirit's leading. And this is no small task. I know this. It's actually really messy. Mm-hmm. I was literally last week remarking to my husband that I had so many things on my plate and I didn't even know where to start. And he, he knows me very well. He said, well, make a list. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> he still jokes with me. He remembers when I was in college, I would sit down with a pen and a notebook and I would say, okay, I'm going to plan my life. <laughs> that was just me making a list of everything I had to get done. And then I put all those things on the calendar so they actually got done. But when we live by the Holy Spirit, we don't have a list. Yeah. It's hard. Instead, we have a relationship. We have a guide. Mm-hmm. But we don't get to plan our lives. We have to keep in step with the Spirit instead. I had a friend who said recently, the spirit uh, is interruption oriented. Yep. Yeah. And it's exactly that. You know, when you make a list for him to do, he doesn't do it. Yep. And, and just we, just like the story of the dry bones in Ezekiel, yeah. sometimes when we follow the spirit's leading in our lives, it seems crazy. Yes. It yeah. seems really weird. It can seem weird to people around us and to us. It might not make any sense, and God may not even give us like the explanation right away like He did in the verses today. He's not going to give us the Cliff Notes version, Mm -hmm. but I have found so many times that when you follow the Spirit's leading in your life, and when you know it's the Spirit, Mm -hmm. as crazy it may seem, it does bring life. It brings life that's abundant. It's beyond anything you could ask or imagine or anything you could have done on your own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we're coming to the end here. I feel like the need to summarize, but that's, there's so much good stuff in that. I don't know exactly how to summarize it. <laughs> Just that, that we can appear to be alive, but we really are not alive without the breath of God, without yeah. the Spirit of God working in us and bringing that abundant life to us. Mm-hmm. And breathing Him in um, is life-giving, no matter how weird it seems where He takes us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Meredith. These were um, some really good thoughts that I think we can all um, incorporate and, and, and breathe a little more deeply. I know deeply. I'm going to try to do the box breathing today. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, Meredith, now's the time we like to leave our listeners with a little something to think about. Do you have a question or a thought you want to leave them with? Oh, sure. Um, well, there are many, but well, let's go back to the story of the dry bones. My favorite. Yeah, me too. Think <laughs> of Ezekiel standing there in the middle of the valley, and he's looking at all these dry bones all over the ground. And God asks him, can these bones live? It's a ridiculous question. Yeah. And your first answer will often be a no. But I want you to stop and think of a situation in your life that feels like that. It feels like it can never come back mm-hmm. to life. It can never be put back together. Mm-hmm. 
And can you look at that instead and say to God, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Look for the leading of his Holy Spirit, maybe where his breath is breathing life, and ask God maybe where his spirit might be leading you in that situation. Mm. Well, I want to offer another practice this week, and that is um, the box prayer. I think that's really important for us to stop and breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and breathe out in that quiet moment. Listen for God's still small voice. So got two things this week. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you. Until next time.